welcome to The Well Podcast. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and give you practical ways to strengthen your relationships. To find out more, visit thewell.ca. Isaiah 53, verses 3 to 6, the first reading. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Well, welcome again to our Good Friday service. This day, this Good Friday, is one of the most important days of our faith as followers of Jesus, isn't it? Um, It is one of the highest holidays of the Christian calendar. But yet, even as I say that, I just recognize that saying this Good Friday and celebrating this day in particular, this is a strange holiday to celebrate. It just is. Right? I think it's actually difficult for many of us, whether you're familiar with church or whether you're new to church, I think it's just kind of weird for many of us to kind of wrap our minds around why do we do this day in the first place? Why do we actually take the time to, in a sense, look at and to dwell on the death of Jesus? It's a dark day, isn't it? It doesn't feel like it's a day of celebration, and especially in light of the fact that we know that in two days' time, we're going to be back here celebrating not just Jesus' death, but we're going to be celebrating his resurrection. That's Easter Sunday, and Easter Sunday as a holiday makes a lot of sense, a lot more sense than this day does, right? Because Easter Sunday is about Jesus' life. He rose from the dead. He conquered death. This is about victory. It's about new life. It's about all the things that make us feel good that we love to think about and talk about. That's a day worth celebrating, but this day... Like, Good Friday is just kind of, it's like a dark day. It's a somber celebration. We talk about Jesus' death. We're thinking about things that are hard to think about. I know actually people who say, you know what? I just don't do Good Friday. I'll see you on Sunday. I'll see you in a couple days. Good Friday is just kind of too depressing for me. I like the joyful stuff that comes with Easter Sunday. So I'll see you there. You're going to miss me on Good Friday. The truth is, friends, we do Good Friday because there is an incredible gift in this day. But it's not necessarily a gift that is easy to see, at least not at first sight. Because at first sight, what we do see on Good Friday is this difficult and dark scene of the cross, of Jesus dying on the cross. And that is not an easy scene to look at. See, this passage of scripture that we had read for us just a moment ago, it was written by the prophet Isaiah. And believe it or not, it was actually written hundreds of years before Jesus was even born, before he even came into the world. But Isaiah described the scene of the cross with like this incredible insight, telling us what was actually going on in those moments leading up to and during Jesus' suffering and death. And the words that Isaiah used to describe Jesus' experience on the cross were dark words. They were difficult words. He said Jesus was despised. He was rejected. And on the cross, he became familiar with suffering and with pain. These words, again, they describe everything that Jesus went through, everything that he experienced in those moments leading up to and during his death on the cross. He he was falsely accused 
by people that wanted him dead and that didn't like him being around. In the moment that he needed his closest friends the most, when the authorities came to arrest him, his friends scattered. They totally abandoned him. There were uh, soldiers. Really, they should have been the people who were defending his innocence because of the fact that he was falsely accused. Instead, they were the ones who were mocking him and spitting on him. He was whipped by them, and eventually stakes were driven through his hands and his feet, and he was hung up to experience one of the most painful and brutal forms of execution that has ever existed in all of history. And these are the words that Isaiah uses to describe what was going on on the day Jesus died. It's not an easy scene to look out for us. This is a difficult scene. It's dark. It makes us feel uncomfortable. It even, I think, for many of us, kind of feels a little unnecessary, right? Like, why, why on earth do we need to dwell on this stuff? Why do we need to look at it? Why, we do, why do we need to think about it? And in some ways, friends, the, the, the picture of this day actually can get even worse for us. Because one of the things that is meant to happen when we do take the time to dwell on the cross is it's actually meant to work as a bit of a mirror in some senses to reflect back on us some of the difficult, painful, and tough situations and experiences in our own lives. One of the things the cross can at times reflect back at us, if we allow it to anyways, is some of the ways that we have experienced hurt and pain in our own life story. Some of the ways that we have experienced death or loss or grief along the way. Because that's what this story is all about, isn't it? And more than that, if we allow it to, not only does it reflect back at us some of the painful experiences that we have had, it actually can reflect back at us some of the painful things that we have inflicted on others through our own sinful or selfish or pride-filled choices along the way. We have caused hurt to others. Maybe it doesn't look exactly the same thing as what Jesus looks like on the cross, but it's equally ugly and it's equally difficult to look at. We don't like to think about this stuff at all. We do all kinds of things, both in terms of the foolish or broken choices we've made, but also the broken and painful and sorrowful and grief experiences that we have had along the way. We do all kinds of things to ignore this stuff, to escape from it, to kind of cover it over, make ourselves or others kind of not be able to see it or think it's not there. These things are difficult to face, and yet this is what Good Friday calls us into, to actually look at these things, because these things are real. This is part of our reality. And so was Jesus' death on the cross. So the question is, why would we want to do this, right? Why? Why on earth would we want to take the time to dwell on some of this stuff? In fact, some people I've, I've heard say, this, this just feels so religious. Like, this is exactly the reason that I left my faith, or I left my church, or I left religion, because it always felt like religious people were just trying to make me feel bad for the bad stuff that I'd done. They always just, like, wanted to uh, uh, load on the guilt and the burden or whatever, right? Like, ah, that's why I left church. I don't want to deal with that stuff. So why should we then? Like I said, friends, I do believe there's actually an incredible gift that comes with this day and that comes with taking time to look at the reality of the cross. And we're going to get there. We're going to get there. I promise we will. But first, I want to just sit with that, with some of those uncomfortable feelings that this day brings up. And I want to, uh, to invite you to allow this next song that we're going to sing to allow you to take a look, 
to, um, you know, in a sense, like hold back some of the pressures of the temptations to ignore or to push down or to cover over or to hide some of the stuff that we find so uncomfortable to look at. And I want you just to allow it to help you look. The song is called Come to the, to the Altar. And it's just a song that helps us acknowledge some of this dark and difficult stuff that exists in our lives. But it's an invitation that says, come. Come. We can come to him with it.
cross as you wait for the crown. Tell the world of the treasure you found. Isaiah 53, verses 3 to 6, the second reading. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Why do Good Friday? Why should we take the time to dwell on all this stuff, to dwell and to look at, to take the time to look at this ugly scene of the cross that is just brutal, it's not easy to look at, but then even more to allow that ugly scene to reflect back on us some of the ugly things in our own lives that we don't like to look at. Why on earth would we want to do that? To take time to think about and to dwell on some of the pain and the sorrow and the grief and the loss that we've experienced along our own journeys, and even more some of the maybe poor choices that we've made that has caused pain in others' lives as well, or maybe even our own? Friends, we hate to look at this stuff. It makes us feel all these negative and uncomfortable emotions. And I think one of the biggest reasons we don't like to take the time to look at this stuff is because, frankly, we don't know what to do with it. We don't know what to do with it. I think it causes all kinds of like just inner stuff, angst and anxiety and chaos when we actually take the time to think about it. It makes us feel so uncomfortable. And so we do all kinds of things to try to ignore this stuff in our lives, to distract ourselves from it, to maybe it makes us feel a little bit better if we can blame other people for it. And so we do that at times. We do all kinds of things to try to escape thinking about this stuff with overwork or overeating or entertainment or substances or screens. We don't like to look at this stuff, but the reason we do on Good Friday, the reason we look to the cross on Good Friday is because it actually gives us a place to bring all of this stuff that we hate carrying. Listen again to what the prophet Isaiah said. Surely it says, he took up our pain on the cross and he bore our suffering. These are powerful words that is being described about what actually happened when Jesus died on the cross. He said Jesus went to the cross in order to take up our pain, literally to take it off our hands and take it on himself. This is why he experienced pain, so he could take it up from us. It says he went to the cross to bear our suffering. That word suffering, it refers much bigger than just like physical pain or suffering. It's talking about all of the sorrows or the grief that we've experienced just through journeying through life. The stuff that comes into our lives that just makes us feel like we are weighed down with these heavy burdens. And it says on the cross, Jesus took the weight of those burdens onto himself for us and with us. 
And we need to hear this, friends, because the, the cross happened for us so that we would not have to bear those burdens alone, so that we wouldn't need to be alone in our suffering, so that we could know that there is one who is with us in it. He's experienced it himself, right? It said he became familiar with pain and suffering. And Good Friday tells us, the cross tells us that he actually came to bear those burdens for us. So now we look at the cross because it gives us a place to bring them. And it says he did even more than just that. He did more than take our pain and our sorrow and our grief. It says he also came to take our sin. Now, that's a word that we don't use very often outside of maybe, maybe church. Maybe that's probably the only place we hear that word. It certainly doesn't come up often in conversation for most of us anyways, right? But Isaiah, Isaiah uses two words to describe this dynamic that we use even less. But I think they're powerful words and they're worth taking the time to unpack them a little bit. One word he uses is transgression and the other is iniquity. This first word, transgression, it comes from the Hebrew word pesha. Peshaw. And it carries this idea of like a relational trust being broken. Okay. And so I think um, like embedded into this word is like a vision of like what whole beautiful relational vitality looks like. And so, you know, what would some of the things be if there's like a whole, full, connected, beautiful, healthy relationship? What comes to mind for me are ideas like a connectedness, where there's a sense of like, I know you and you know me and we're on the same page and we're moving together. A sense of trust where I can be open and vulnerable. I don't need to be guarded with you. A sense of um, just openness, where there's not like barriers or hiding or trying to cover over elements of our lives. And at the same time, where there's healthy boundaries, right? Where I'm not forcing you to cross lines where I think you should or where you're not comfortable with, and I'm not crossing lines that shouldn't be like healthy boundaries that shouldn't be crossed. Where there's a sense of generosity, where there's like a beautiful giving and receiving in both directions, along with mutuality, where there's like a shared partnership, right? Um, where there's responsibility on both sides being taken as we carry out this relationship. And certainly this idea of like upbuilding, not tearing down, but contributing to sort of the growth and development and support of one another. Those are all just an, uh, some of the things that come to mind when I think like, what would describe relational vitality? Well, Pesha refers to any way that we can actually kind of break down that dynamic. I think in an obvious sense or a large scale sense, maybe an example would be like a betrayal in a relationship, like a spouse cheating on another spouse. That would certainly break down relational vitality. But I think this can look like a million and one things and we all participate in it, either actively by things that we actually do to break down trust or openness or vitality in our relationships, but even passively by things we neglect to do. That can also cause relationships to degrade, can cause a divide in our relationships. And then Isaiah uses this other word. It's translated iniquity in English, but in the Hebrew, the word is avon. And it comes with, with it, this idea of like being bent or crooked. And so the idea of like bending or twisting the truth or bending or twisting what's right so that we can use it to serve our own purposes, right? 
So I, I think we kind of naturally or inherently kind of understand this this word as well, or at least this idea. Um, we might be familiar with this. If someone were to say, hey, you shouldn't go near that guy or don't hang out with that guy because he's crooked, we would have an idea what that means, right? Probably means he's he's probably, we probably shouldn't trust him. Maybe he's up to some pretty bad stuff. Maybe he's lying or stealing or cheating or whatever. Maybe he's not a safe person. So we, we get what that means if we describe someone as crooked, right? And again, we all do this in big and small ways. We bend the truth at times to serve our own purpose. We bend or twist what's right to get our own way in all kinds of ways. But here's the thing, which I think is fascinating about this word. Avon also refers to the consequences that we can experience from bent or broken actions. It's actually like experiencing the broken consequences from our own or from someone else's broken decisions. And I think we get that too, right? There's something that makes sense about that. We'll actually say like if we hear on the news, like again, very obvious example, but if we hear on the news about like a tragedy, like about like a mass murder or something like that, where someone has done something so crooked, so broken, so bent, and has caused all kinds of harm, we'll say stuff like, man, that is messed up. That's broken. That's not right. That's what Avon is referring to. Both the actions that we can do that are bent or crooked, but also the experience or the consequences of those actions that we can experience. And we can experience the consequences of someone else's broken actions, but we can also experience the consequences of our own broken behaviors, broken choices, broken actions. It has a way at times of coming back on us, doesn't it? And Actually, the truth is that this is one of the primary ways that the Bible talks about God's punishment. I think a number of us, whether you've been in church for a long time or whether church is something new, I think kind of a lot of us have this idea that God is sort of up there, this angry old man with a magic wand waiting to sort of lightning bolt anyone who does wrong or whatever. He's just waiting to punish us, right? He's this angry old God. But no, that's not it at all. It's actually that God has created us with an incredible amount of dignity, of power, of autonomy. He's given us incredible freedom to make our own choices. But then he's also given us the dignity and the freedom to experience the consequences of the choices that we make too, whether good or bad, whether wise or foolish. And so at times, we can actually experience the broken consequences of our own poor decisions. Maybe that brings to mind some one or more experiences in your own life. But here's why I'm saying this. Here's why this is so important, this dynamic of Avon being something both that we can do, but also something we can experience. Because listen to what Isaiah wrote about what happened to Jesus when he died on the cross. He says, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying, we have committed avon. We have done broken things. But so the avon should come back on us. The consequences should come back on us. That's just how the world works. But on the cross, Isaiah is saying, we committed the avon, but the avon comes back on Jesus. He's the one who was pierced. He's the one who was crushed. He's the one who, who took on the consequences of our sin of our broken choices. Which means all of this to say is that the cross gives us a place then to bring that to him too. 
not just the burdens and the weights of the sorrows and the losses and the grief and the suffering that we've experienced over life. We can bring that. But now he's saying, no, we can also bring some of the guilt and the regret and the sense of distance in my own relationships with other people and certainly with God that some of my own poor choices have created in my life. And that's a weight as well. And Isaiah is saying we look to the cross because it gives us a place to bring that to all of our brokenness, all of the ugly stuff within, all of the messed up stuff that our own choices have created along the way, and all of the guilt and the regret that we can carry from it. These things weigh us down, friends. The cross gives us a place to bring them, and Jesus takes it for us. We're going to sing a song in just a moment. And so we want to use this song actually to give you an opportunity to reflect on this and not just reflect it, but actually take time to pray, to speak to God. And actually, if I want to invite you to do this action of bringing some of these things, the burdens, the weights, the brokenness of your own life, some of the consequences that you have been experiencing because of that, we have an opportunity, I mean, anytime, but we can certainly do it now to bring these things to the cross, to bring them to Jesus, and to allow him to take this weight off of our shoulders. Listen to just a few words of this song, and I just want to invite you to use it to help you reflect and to help you pray. It says, I've carried a burden for too long on my own. I wasn't created to bear it alone. I hear your invitation to let it all go. So that's the invitation for us right now, friends. Even as we sing this song, I want to invite you to just remain in your seats. You don't need to sing out loud. If that helps you to reflect, certainly you can. But use the words of this song to, as an invitation to your own soul to bring some of the burdens that you might be carrying, some of the brokenness that you know is inside of you, to bring them to him.
Isaiah 53, verses 3 to 6, the third reading. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. 
The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Why do we do Good Friday? Like, why do we take the time to sit and to dwell and to take the time to look at the cross on this day? Because as I said, friends, the cross gives us a place to bring all of our burdens and brokenness and all of the stuff that we don't love to look at any other day. This is all of the stuff that we don't know what to do with in most of our life, but the cross gives us a place to bring it along with a promise that Jesus will take it from us. And friends, if that were all that happened at the cross, that would be a good thing in and of itself, wouldn't it? Because don't all of us need some of those burdens lifted a little bit? Don't all of us need to walk a little bit lighter through life? Don't all of us need some of these weights kind of released from carrying them in our own hands? Aren't we tired from that? And so if that's all that happened on the cross, that in itself would be a good thing. But the truth is there's actually even more that happened. There's more that Isaiah described and there's more that happened on the day that Jesus died that we have access to. We don't go to just bring and to release our burdens. We actually go to receive something as well. This is why we do Good Friday, both to let go of some of the stuff that we don't need to carry, but then to receive something altogether new, to have our hands filled up with something altogether new. Look at again at Isaiah's words. He said, the punishment that brought us peace was on him. By his wounds, we are healed. You see this dynamic that's going on that Isaiah is describing? He said, Jesus is the one on the cross who was punished. In that, we actually receive peace. Our hands get filled up with peace. On the cross, Jesus was the one who experienced wounding. And in its place, we receive healing. See, friends, when Jesus died on the cross, there was this incredible, miraculous exchange that was taking place between us and him, one that we are now invited to receive because he himself was God in human form alongside the fact that he was fully human, but he was the perfect human, right? There was nothing in him that was crooked or bent. He never twisted the truth or twisted his circumstances to get get his own way. He was upright in everything that he did, full of integrity and honesty and goodness. More than that, the way that he related to other people, to one another, to others, and to God, right? Always full of like wholeness, goodness. He always brought life into his relationships. He never took it. He never tore down. He always built up. He always made the other person better through his interactions with them. And so we've got to understand this because he is the definition of life. He's the one that brought life through his life into the world. And so at the cross, we're given this incredible opportunity to be able to bring all of the stuff that feels like death in us, all of the brokenness and the burdens and the baggage that we carry. We can release that to him. He takes it. He's pierced by it. He's crushed with it. In its place... He gives us his life, his fullness. This is why we actually say he poured out his life for us 
on the cross. This is actually what happened. So we can bring all of the guilt and the regret and the consequences of our poor decisions and of our sin, the stuff we hate to look at ourselves, in its place. He takes that from us, but in its place, he gives us peace. What does peace mean? I think a huge part of peace in relationships is forgiveness, right? Is a restored relationship, like when there's, when, when there's peace between me and someone else, when there's peace between me and God. He helps close that gap so that now there's not, you know, I think many of us often walk through life feeling like there's this big chasm or gap between us and God. I don't see him. I don't know him. I have a, such a hard time hearing him or having a sense that he's near. No, Jesus brings peace forgiveness, a a reality of closeness in our relationship with God. But then more than that, he gives his life, right? Like a power now to cultivate peace in our relationships with one another as well. This is incredible. This is what we receive from him when we bring our brokenness, our sin, the messed up stuff that we've done that has caused chaos in our relationships. More than that, we bring the weight and the heaviness of of our griefs and our losses and our sorrows. And what do we receive? We receive healing. Friends, we receive a promise that our wounds that we've experienced through life can be healed. It doesn't mean they're forgotten or that they go away, but it does mean that they can be healed and that we can walk through life without some of these burdens weighing us down. That new life can actually come. This is what we're given in the cross. And so friends, in a few moments, we're going to celebrate communion together. And communion literally is just one more way that helps us look at the cross. It is literally a way that we retell the story of the cross to one another every time we celebrate communion. This is what we're doing. This is what the elements represent, right? We take the bread and we say this bread represents Jesus' body, which was broken when he died on the cross. And we take the cup. You know, and we say this cup or this juice, this, is, this represents Jesus' blood, which was shed for us. He bled and he died when he hung on the cross. But what I think is so powerful about this, um, this act that we do when we celebrate communion is we don't just look at these things. We don't just look at the bread and the cup. We don't just talk about them. But what do we do? We eat the bread. We drink the cup. We bring them into ourselves. We receive them. I think there's something so powerful in that. We're saying, Jesus, all of the life that you poured out, that you gave away in the cross, I need, I want, come into my life. Give me your peace. Come into my life. Give me your healing. I need that. Friends, that's the invitation for you today, to look at the cross, to bring your brokenness, to bring your burdens to Jesus and then to receive his life for you, his healing, his forgiveness, his deep and transforming peace. And whether you're doing that for the thousandth time in your life or whether you want to do that even for the first time, the invitation for all of us on this Good Friday is to come.